Your pet is an important part of your life, and Dr. T knows how to take care of your best friend. 107.7 The Bronx presents Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Tequila of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg. Every Saturday morning, Dr. T offers intelligent and informative pet health care talk with just the right dose of bedside manner, exclusively for our furry friends. If you own a dog or cat and have a question about your pet's overall health, call Dr. T now at 877-900-1077. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by the Pet Wellness Professionals of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg. Small hospital, big medicine. For more information online, it's BarkMeowVets.com. That's BarkMeowVets.com. The doctor can see you now. Here's Dr. Michael Tequila and this week's edition of Your Pet Matters. Good morning. Welcome to Your Pet Matters. I'm your host, Michael Dr. T. Tequila, and a returning guest, a great guest, and it's not just because she's Canadian, <laughs> but she's she's phenomenal, and, and she switched her, her avenue towards helping our profession to the wellness side, is Dr. Marie Holloway-Chuck. So welcome, Marie. Thanks for being here. Um, just to give you a little history for those of you who haven't listened to previous shows, is she is board certified in emergency and critical care. She has worn the hat of... Um, she was an assistant professor at the Ontario Veterinary College. She is a specialist. She's one of the rare guests I've had that actually come from a family of veterinarians. Most are statistical outliers from a human medical family or something completely unrelated, such as myself. No one's, no one's got into veterinary medicine in my family. So, so she, she's had experience from a young age about veterinary medicine, and she's a contributing author. You're an editor, right, for the... She, she wears many hats, and she, she's done wellness retreats, um, all this while working as an uh, emergency critical care specialist every so often as well, so it's, it's just amazing. Um, but I think what's important and what really got me when I first met you was how you got into the wellness aspect, what happened in your life. Mm, thank yeah. you. Yeah, well, thanks. Great introduction, yeah. first of all. <laughs> you know my bio better than bucks. I do. Bucks, <laughs> yeah, right, hey. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, I think like many of us in the profession, um, we have periods in our life where we get to the point where we feel very burnt out. And um, that was definitely the case for me. Even though I grew up, as you said, in a family of veterinarians, my mom and dad are both veterinarians. I grew up working in my mom's general practice. I, when I started my position at the Ontario Veterinary College, it was it was a steep learning curve for me. I went from resident to faculty member. Um, there was a lot of on call. There were late nights, very long days, a lot of responsibility, and I wasn't looking after myself. And I unfortunately got to the point where I decided to leave my position there after about five years. And in hindsight, you know, I thought I wasn't cut out for the job and, you know, I, I love the profession, but, you know, maybe I need to do something different. Um, I even thought maybe I just needed to be closer to family and so moving out to Western Canada where I grew up. And what I now know is that I think had I been taking better care of myself and implementing some of the things now that I talk about in terms of well-being that maybe I wouldn't have left the job and or maybe after leaving the job I would have been able to look after myself more so so that it would have been um, life would have been more sustainable but you know it's funny because after I left that position and started doing you know self-employment work so locum work 
um, editing, all, all the different hats that you said, um, I very quickly became burnt out again. This ah, time, okay. though... I was, was going to ask you, would you define yourself as being burned out? Yeah, okay. yeah. absolutely. So burnout, for, for those of you who don't know, so the idea of burnout is related to the job, to the work that you're doing. So it's usually feeling overextended or underappreciated, um, something associated with the job. So not with the work itself, like you might love being a veterinarian or a technician or a physician or whatever you do, but that, you know, your hours are too long. You work too many shifts in a row. Um, sometimes it's about the people that you work with. Sometimes it's about the resources that you have. You know, you feel like you're out of your comfort zone and having to do stuff that you don't feel totally familiar with. Um, or it can be the opposite, that you're doing stuff that is really super boring and remedial. And so you just get burnt out because you're like, oh, this is so boring. I can't even believe that this is what I'm doing. Both of those are, this is not what I signed up for. This Scenarios, is not right? what I signed up for. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. So um, burnout too, though, can be exacerbated by not looking after ourselves. And so for me, I noticed the signs and now I had the wherewithal, you know, to, to recognize when it was happening. And um, it was actually, I think I've shared this story before, but you know, I was in a, a bad car accident, rushing. You know, I had come back from a conference and I was going to another conference to speak and was rushing to fix a chip in my windshield or something stupid and ironic like that because basically my car was totaled. It was a really bad accident. I had nerve damage, all this other stuff. It was a wake-up call, told me I needed to slow down, and told me I needed to make some sort of change, that this wasn't going to be sustainable, that leaving this job as a professor and moving out west, you know, hadn't solved all of my problems, and that I would need to do something different. And so um, that's when I really got into wellness, and it was actually after my accident that I did my yoga teacher training as a part of my rehabilitation, and recognized, you know, that yoga and meditation and mindfulness and proper sleep and all of these tools that we overlook um, are so necessary for us as care providers. And, you know, I passionately talk about how important self-care is. You know, it, it's like the old adage with the oxygen mask, you know, when you get on the airplane and they're going through the safety requirements. Put it on and yourself first. Don your own oxygen mask before assisting anybody else, right? Because if you are not looking after yourself as a care provider, how am I possibly going to look after everybody else? And even for you, those of you who aren't care providers, if you're, or I should say for animals, but maybe for people in your life, you know, same thing. You can't look after your kids, your spouse, your parents, your, you know, loved ones if you are not also caring for yourself. So that's, that's, that's a hard pill is. to swallow because you, 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 you always have to face with, well, A, what time can I make for this, right? Because I'm always doing this. But it is, I think a lot of, a lot of it from my perspective, this is from my perspective, is that as a practicing veterinarian to a, admit that we have to do self-care is yeah. tough because it is, you know, we're perfectionists, right? So, you know, this is what we were built for, this veterinary world, and this is part of what we have to deal with. But I think that, you know, I've I, I had Marie on the show enough times. I know her well enough. I just I just went through a, well, a sleep wellness lecture with her. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was great. It was fantastic because I was going, oh, okay, I got to do this, change this, change this, change this. But it, it, it's one of these things that it's, it's a lot about self-reflection. I think we're getting better as professionals about talking about things like this and, and she can definitely help you there. I think it's, it's something that you have to just come to terms with. Um, totally. It's not normal to get four hours of sleep a night. 
let me tell you, it's not normal. <laughs> and it's not normal to feel that anxiety and stress. And it's not just because we're veterinarians and that's the way the profession is and people treat us differently. It's, it's, there's a lot of things that you can do about that. Yeah, so it's, to me it's a lot of self-reflection and, yeah. and getting to, to, to understand and come to terms with this. But, but I, think it's, I think it's really neat how life throws you things and totally. makes a change. And the universe like is always, always has your back, as they say, you know, so, um, yeah, I think, yeah, paying attention to that, you know, and noticing, okay, this is, I'm, I'm in the same pattern where now I'm working just as hard as I was before and, you know, or I've changed jobs and I thought everything was going to be great and now I'm having this, these same feelings of anxiety and I'm struggling with my sleep and I'm struggling with these feelings of cynicism about the work that I do you know, very classic signs of, of burnout and, and recognizing it is our responsibility. And, and the people who, you know, set forth guidelines for care providers around self-care, they say that. They say it is nobody's responsibility but yours. Nothing can justify neglecting self-care and that it's actually unethical not to tend to self-care because self-care prevents harming the people we're trying to look after. So, and that, it makes sense, right? Because if you're not getting enough sleep and then you go to work, you can make a mistake, yeah. right? Or, um, you know, any number of things can happen. And they show that. They show that sleep-deprived healthcare workers have higher incidence of medical mistakes at work. So yeah, We're all familiar with driving while you're sleep-deprived as right. opposed to being drunk. And um, Reese had a great story uh, in her talk. She talked about Arianna Huffington, right. that she used to work on minimal sleep, but had a she fell and injured herself. And that was her, her wake-up call. And so she's a big proponent of getting the right amount of sleep. And I think these are important things, but it's believe it or not, it's little changes you can do, little changes you can do that would, would definitely help you. But but I, I'm glad that this happened to you retrospectively because then I would never have met you. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, it's awesome. Everything it's awesome happens for a reason. Yeah. I'm glad too. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll take a short break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about. Um, there's various aspects that Marie is very passionate about. And we'll talk about things like that. You're listening to your pet matters on 1077 1077thebronc.com. If you own a cat or dog and have a question about your pet's overall health, call Dr. T now at 877-900-1077. Now back to the premier radio show in Mercer County for helpful advice about your pet in this week's edition of Your Pet Matters. Welcome back, and if you're just joining us, my special guest today is fellow Canadian emergency critical care specialist, wellness expert, cert certified in yoga instruction as well. I mean, what doesn't she do? Um, and you, you have to ski, right? Do you ski too? Cross country. There you go. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm going to say makes wonderful, fabulous knitting products too, I'm just no. going to say. <laughs> Dr. Marie Holowaychuk is joining me. Um, we've been talking about her her change, life-changing events that happened as a practicing veterinarian that led her to concentrating on wellness. It's not just wellness for veterinarians. There's similarities between wellness for anyone, any medical profession. I think a lot of her concepts, I, I, I don't see how they will not help anyone, any professional. Um, and, and one talk that she gave the other day that unfortunately I wasn't able to see, I think I was interviewing someone else at the yeah. time, uh, was for mindfulness. We did talk about this on the show before, but let's, let's get into what exactly is mindfulness? Yeah, so uh, the title of that session was Mindfulness is a Superpower. So, and it's true. I mean, mindfulness, which is the ability to be in the present moment, 
um, an observation of what is coming up for you, either physically in the body or with thoughts and feelings that are arising, and look at them openly with curiosity and non-judgmentally. So the example that I often give or that's been given you know, in, in other sessions is that somebody cuts you off in traffic, how would you normally react? Um, you get angry, right? And you might, you know, flip in the bird or swear or, you know, get out of your car and, I don't know, all sorts You're of road rage. You're describing New Jersey. I was going to say, You're I'm Canadian, so we don't, we probably just wave and, you know, keep driving. But, um, you know, or it could be somebody, you know, says something rude to you at work, you know, a client or whatever. Any situation where you would normally feel triggered and have an immediate reaction. Mindfulness allows us to have an emotional buffer where we notice, that's interesting, I am feeling my jaw clench, I'm feeling my ears burn, I'm noticing a bunch of thoughts in my head, I'm angry. Okay, and instead of immediately acting on it, we might choose to respond in a different way, walking away, taking a deep breath, saying something, you know, to open up the conversation. These are all very observing. hard to do because a lot of us are reactive. A lot <laughs> of us are. It's very hard. You have to yeah. take a breath. You have to stop and take yeah. a breath. So mindfulness is really um, the whole, you know, for those of us who are science-minded, when we practice mindfulness, we're actually harnessing our prefrontal cortex, so the most highly developed part of our brain that allows us to notice our thoughts and emotions. And so we're noticing when we feel triggered or when things come up, and we're choosing more adaptive responses rather than just like, going through life on autopilot and just, you know, having all sorts of reactions that sometimes in hindsight, if we have that awareness, we look back and are like, ugh, I kind of wish I hadn't said that, or I probably could have reacted differently, or maybe I didn't need to react at all in that situation. And so that's one of the nice things about mindfulness. Certainly, um, the way that we practice mindfulness is very often, um, Sometimes it's informal, so it might be in the form of just noticing during the day when we're on autopilot, when we're just going through the motions, and when we're not really present. So when we're not in the present moment, we're usually worrying about the future or we're thinking about the past. So if you notice yourself ruminating on something that happened earlier in the day or the day before or whatever, a case, a coworker interaction, a client that was unhappy, whatever, or if you find yourself in an appointment with a client or in a conversation with somebody and you're thinking about what's on my to-do list, I got to pick up my kids from school, I got to do this, I got to do that, bringing yourself back to that present moment, right? So that's Who doesn't one. do this? Come on. I was just thinking of 10,000 examples in my own mind. Right? Yeah. We all do. We all have a yeah. crazy monkey yeah. mind. If we didn't, then we wouldn't need to practice mindfulness. It would, you know, it's a practice. And that's the thing is it is a practice just like exercise. If you want to strengthen your body, you're going to have to engage in physical exercise. If you want to strengthen your mind and your ability to self-regulate, which is what mindfulness is, you have to practice. So whether it's informally, as I've just described, or you can do it formally. And usually formal mindfulness practices in the form of a meditation. So meditation, I know it's like, whoa, 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 don't, everybody's like, ah, don't talk about meditation. Um, it sounds woo-woo. Uh, meditation is actually accessible to everybody. I mean, you don't, you know, believe it or not, Katy Perry meditates, um, 50 Cent, uh, for those of you who know who that is, rapper. Um, 
I mean, Kobe Bryant used to meditate when he was playing basketball mm. still. Lots of athletes, lots of famous people, Jerry Seinfeld. There's lots of corporations even that promote um, mindfulness meditation, like Google, for example. So what meditation involves is just anchoring your thoughts or your mind on a certain sensation or a, you know, it can be a mantra, so it can be something you repeat over and over. It can be your breath. Um, it can be the sensation of your breath moving in and out of your body. Um, there's, it can be music. It can be, you know, if you have music playing in the background. But the idea is, is that you sit in stillness and focus on that particular anchor. And for most people, it is the breath because you can feel it moving into and out of your body and you can even count it if you want. And every time your mind wanders to something else, what am I having for dinner? What, I shouldn't have said that thing you know, to my coworker or whatever it is. You just notice it, you don't judge it, you don't belittle yourself, you don't react to it, you just notice it and then you bring your attention back to your anchor, which is your breath. And it just happens over and over and every time you do it, it's like you know, you're curling your brain's bicep. Okay, two questions going through my mind. Totally. How long should you meditate per session? What is, uh, what, is there a minimum time frame? That's a great question. I would say, okay, so the short answer to that is yes. So just like with exercise, if you're gonna wanna see results, you're gonna wanna do it for a certain amount of time each day. Okay. It depends on how, you know, what okay. sort of exercise you're okay. doing, but meditation is the same. So studies in people, they've done actually research studies where they've looked at the functionality of the prefrontal cortex, or they've looked at things like um, emotional regulation, mm -hmm. um, memory integration, so how easily you can remember things. Mm -hmm. They've looked at all sorts of different <laughs> markers, and they've found that improving memory, for example, requires 10 minutes of meditation per day. Okay. Regulating emotions and reducing anxiety and depression, aiming for longer, aiming for 20 minutes a day. What I tell people when they're just starting is do whatever is manageable. The thought of sitting with your eyes closed, watching your breath might be completely unbearable to start. So maybe you just do it for five breaths. And just go to a quiet place where no one can see if you're worried about doing this, but yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you don't, I mean, I wouldn't do it in the middle of a lunchroom, but you know, like going out to your car in the middle of your day, yeah. getting up before anybody else gets up in your household and doing it then, doing it right before you go to bed at night, you know, that's a huge thing. Do it in a space where you feel safe, private, comfortable. Um, People might just think you're taking a nap, you know? Just close your eyes and nobody needs to know, but it's People it's definitely huge. think I'm taking a nap. <laughs> so, I'll just, what was your I'll, second question? The second question had to do with just, it's so funny, when, when you were talking earlier, I, I would say majority of teams have reactive teams. I'm actually reactive, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lie, I'm reactive. So, so what would be the best advice you would give? So it's very tough because some incident, incident happens, whether it's a coworker, client, whatever and you're in that moment, yeah. and you want to, for me, I feel my face flush and my ears get red. Yes. That's what I feel, and so, what would be the best advice for you to just take that moment to take that breath, just literally just, just stop and take a breath, or what would you? Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. so there's actually an acronym sometimes people use, it's, it's actually called STOP, the oh, okay. S-T-O-P. Okay. So it's stop, <laughs> take a breath, observe so okay. what's happening in this moment okay. process and proceed okay. so you would decide the process and the proceed in that situation is how do I need to respond in this situation do I need to respond at all maybe you, I just you, need you to walk say, away you can even say uh, 
can I get back or I, I'm, I'm emotional right now I want to talk about Slater or something absolutely can, yeah. okay. I will tell people quite honestly especially because you know as an emergency and critical care right. specialist it's heated um, you know I might have to deal with something else in that moment or I might recognize I'm too emotionally charged in the situation to to have a um, a thoughtful and collegial conversation so I might say look I'm not in an emotional state where I can have this discussion let's table this for later because remember there's different parts of our brain so we have our reptilian brain which is like the least developed part of our brain okay. that's our fight-or-flight response okay. Okay. that's why we in situations react. where we're stressed we react Boom. because we're in survival mode okay. right yep. so then we have our limbic system which is the next more developed that's our emotional state so okay. that's where our emotions come up the prefrontal cortex, which is what I've been talking about, is the most highly developed state. That's why as human beings, like animals can't analyze their feelings, but we can. Like as human beings, we can do that. When you're dealing with emotional situations, you want to be using your most highest reasoning state. You want to be accessing that prefrontal cortex where you can be open and objective and curious and thoughtful and express empathy. If you're working in your limbic system where you're in fight, flight, or freeze mode, you're not in a process in a situation where you can even process emotions or have higher reasoning that is not the time to engage in interpersonal discussions especially boom. with people you care about right because yeah. then people most of the time people understand us enough they know okay whoa marie just had a moment or whatever but yeah it's boom yeah. you know and then people get hurt and then we have to apologize and or you know we'd like to apologize or whatever you know okay perfect great great advice and with that we'll take another break you're listening to your pet matters on 1077, 1077 A healthy pet makes for a happy home. Let's try to make your pet's home the happiest out there. Welcome back to Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Takiwa of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg. Listen to Your Pet Matters online at 1077thebronc.com or via your smartphone. Search and download WRRC1 in either Google Play or the Apple iTunes Store. This is Your Pet Matters on 1077 The Bronx. I'm your host, Michael Dr. T. Tequila, and I love these little breaks we take between the sessions because I really get to talk. We get to talk real stuff. And we, we get we our come debrief. Up with, yeah, we get up. We, so it helps us come up with ideas of what to talk about the uh, subject. But, I, you know, I'll say this in all honesty, that I love our profession. I love the people in it. I think that there are unique traits about those in our veterinary profession. Um, the great is we, we love animals. We want to save the world of animals. The downside is we, we tend to not be very good communicators and our dealings with two-legged individuals is not the greatest. And um, because we're perfectionists, because we try to do our best, we are very self-deprecating and there's a lot of there's a lot of internal talk going on there so so when Marie came around when I first met Marie several years ago I think that the whole concept of taking care of yourself self-care is incredibly important I think it's something that all of us as practitioners as veterinary team members we really need to do this because we, we're starting to recognize the things that stress us we know what we don't like about the profession a lot of that can be changed by just looking inwards on yourself and trying to figure out what you can do to make it better for you. You know, uh, the, the world of life is 
not the situations we're thrown in, it's how we respond to those situations. And I think to have that tool, that empowerment of self-care, I think it's very, very important. So, so you know, she's an expert at this. She's been doing it long enough. She's, she's teaching. She's talking about it. So if you ever, ever go to a veterinary conference, definitely... She's usually there. She's at every almost every veterinary conference I've been at. I don't so, know about that. so yeah. <laughs> and well, especially in I mean in Canada, you're going to reach out there. But but um, definitely, you know, look for Marie and and come to some of her her lectures. But let's talk about self care. Absolutely, yeah. So. You know, we talked about it earlier, the fact that it's it's like an oxygen mask. It's something that you need to tend to first before tending to other people. Um, but it's hard to know where to start. So the whole idea of self-care is that you're doing something just for you, okay? So something ideally that fills your bucket. Self-care looks different for each and every one of us, right? We all um, have different ideas about what relaxes us, what makes us feel good, etc. cetera. Um, there's three different components of self-care for care providers that are really important, and then there's different dimensions of wellness that we like to focus on and so I'll break that down the three different pieces of self-care the first one is letting go of work when we're not working and this is something that we all struggle with all professionals I think struggle with this right we go home and we're thinking about a case or an interaction that we had or something that didn't go the way we wanted it to it's usually focusing on negative right because we have a negative bias in our minds it's not focusing on the positive so as much as you can at the end of your day definitely debriefing your day like thinking to yourself acknowledging what went not so well for me today but focusing more on what went well what do I have to be grateful for for today even if you had a case that didn't go so well can you be grateful for the fact that you had a great team that tried really hard with this patient and it just didn't work out or whatever it might be um, also getting yourself in terms of having all of your tasks looked after so that you're not thinking about later things you have to do. So delegating, writing stuff down, making to-do lists, making sure that everything you need to look after is looked after, and then leaving work with intention. So saying goodbye to people, taking yourself out of role somehow, whether it's changing your out of your uniform, taking your name badge off, taking your lab coat off, um, you know, having some sort of ritual like shutting down your computer, closing your files, clearing your desk, something that signifies my day is done. And if there are any distressing situations from the day, formally debriefing them with a person or planning, say, hey, you know what? The earlier today when I said that thing to you, I didn't feel really good about it after, you know, I don't have time to talk about it now because I'm heading out, but can we, you know, maybe tomorrow over lunch we can have a chat. And then it's dealt with, right? Oh, and it also and makes you can that person on. feel so much better and they won't be stewing on it. The, everybody. The yeah. Yeah, everybody. So, um, and then as best as you can when you do get home, try to limit your shop talk time. So, you know, set a timer. Okay, we've got 15 minutes, hammer it out. How was your day? And then that's it. Now it's personal time. It's me time. Okay, time for self-care, time for family time, whatever. The second part is making sure that you have adequate time for rest and relaxation or something designated to rest and relaxation. So this is going to look differently for everybody. For some people, it's taking the kids to sports, taking the dog for a walk, um, getting to a, a workout class, 
pouring a glass of wine and watching Netflix, you know, like, I mean, whatever it looks like for you, but know that you're doing it for you, right? That this is a form of self-care, whether it's, you know, time you've allotted to, you know, um, doing something you love, time that's restful, <laughs> whatever it might be, okay? The third piece of this is some sort of stress reduction method. So the activities that we do during the day are so incredibly stressful and it's not realistic for us. We talked about this with sleep earlier. Um, it's not realistic to go home and then just think you're going to be like this zen, amazing person and you're just going to fall into sleep and fall into family time and all this stuff and it's going to be all rainbows and butterflies, as I like to say. During work, noticing when you're tense and relaxing your body, noticing when you're clench clenching your jaw and relaxing, taking time to drink water, to go to the bathroom, to breathe, to eat, you know, to address all of those things that we need to do, to take time to relax and relieve stress during the day. And then also ideally when we get home, specifically before bed, as we've talked about before. So those are the three main components of self-care. Now, the important thing to recognize is, is that as far as our overall health and well-being goes, um, there are many different dimensions. So it's not just physical health and wellness, right? That's like sleeping, eating, exercising, that kind of thing. It's emotional health and wellness. So self-care in terms of emotional, maybe booking an appointment with a counselor, right? Or um, phoning a friend once a week, right? To have that um, commiseration about something. Social wellness is huge as well, okay? So having that connection time, right? A lot of people now do this by social media, but there's a lot to be said for in-person social connection feeling a sense of belonging. There's studies that actually suggest that loneliness has the same health ramifications as smoking in terms of taking time off of our wow. life. So for those of us who, you know, a lot of people in veterinary medicine are introverts, but knowing that social connection is really important and feeling that sense of belonging to a group or to a team or to an organization or whatever. Which is, makes me wonder, like places like, we're at the VMX conference yeah. right now, just being here. The, Connecting. The, the, yeah, and, and everyone says they get re-energized. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's great to see fellow people. It's great to see, you know, it, plus we're all in the same boat, right? It doesn't matter what we're doing. We're all in the same boat. We all have the same, totally. you know. The same happy, struggles. Yeah, same struggles, same happiness, um, win, same wins, same losses. And, it, and to feel that together is, is teamwork. So yeah. yeah. So spiritual wellness is another dimension. So this is all about, for some people it's religion, prayer, you know, belief in a higher power, whatever. Um, for some people it's just a gratitude practice, right? But it's recognizing that we have value and purpose in life and in the work that we do and that there's natural forces that exist in this universe that are beyond our control. That's helped me a lot as a veterinarian because it's helped me to let go of cases that didn't go well because I knew despite doing everything right, that, you know what, sometimes things are just out of my hands. Well, especially right? critical care, right? Especially yeah. critical care. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's one of those things. And I think I think we're exceptions as veterinarians where we, we see a patient from birth to death. So it's, right. it's one of those things that we're going to deal with end-of-life scenarios. A lot. A lot. And, you know, and we are the profession with the exception of maybe two, two countries, a few states um, that actually right. perform humane euthanasia so right. I think that um, it's one of those things that we have to deal with yeah 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 well, this is all this is all deep great stuff though people yeah. no I mean and there's so much more you know there's there's intellectual wellness which is lifelong learning so 
learning a new language, taking a course, taking a class, something preferably outside of your regular work. So as veterinarians, doing something non-veterinary related. Um, financial wellness, I don't need to go into what that means because that basically means living within your budget, etc. Um, and then environmental wellness is another big one. So like working and living in an environment that's free of clutter, that feels safe, that, um, you know, jives with you, you know, whatever it might be. But, um, you know, those are the really big things. And so, yeah, important to recognize that a lot, a lot of stuff goes into this. And I have to tell you, so when, when she was done her talk, the first thing I said to her was I went up there and said, oh, there's a bunch of things I, I do wrong or something. She goes, no, no, that's not the way to look at it. What do you do right? And when you start listening, so she had a list of, you had at least 12 items, right? Yeah. About what to do about to get a better night's Do's sleep. And you know? don't, so, yeah. so basically it's my vices. Do I watch TV from before bed? Yes. Is that what I'm supposed to do? No. Um, but things I do is I, I, I limit my coffee intake so many hours before bed. I do my exercise so many hours before bed. I, I try not to pig out unless there's something really good that's calling my name. But <laughs> I try to eat something before bed. Things like that. So when you start going down the list of things you do that's, that's correct, it actually made me feel so much better. Yeah. But it's just how you look at that situation. No, that's great. This is great advice. And so, um, so what we'll do is 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 um, Marie's contact info will definitely be on the Facebook page, etc. So if you have questions, she'll be more than happy to answer you. So why don't we take another break and we'll come back and finish our wonderful discussion with Dr. Marie Holowichuk. You listen to your pet matters on 1077, 1077.com. 107 if you own a cat or dog and have a question about your pet's overall health, call Dr. T now at 877-900-1077. Now back to the premier radio show in Mercer County for helpful advice about your pet in this week's edition of Your Pet Matters. And we're back, and my special guest is Dr. Marie Holloway-Chuck, and she's, um, you can see her on criticalcarevet.ca. I have to write the .ca, because it's not .com, it's Canadian, eh? Um, so we'll, we'll do that, but it's, uh, but definitely we'll, we'll have that posted on our, our Facebook page, etc. and uh, you, you can find out about her, you can find out what she's doing and where she's going to be, but um, we were talking about self-care. Um, she broke down self-care into great little divisions and it's funny because what we were talking about at the break was some of the advice she was giving it it's not like you have to go and totally change your life around um for example everyone has something they like to do that has nothing to do with their profession and that literally believe it or not that's self-care in, in, a, in a little way so there, there are many things you are doing look don't don't look at um self-care or all this wellness as things you have to start implementing into your life it's actually just look at your life what are you doing that's that that would benefit your wellness and just start adding to that or enhance that or spend more time doing that and so it's not it's not a complete change you're not you're not doing a career change yeah. you're just you're just making little changes that will help your career and so um, we talked about self-care for ourselves, and, and I was telling Marie that there, there's more trend that I see in our profession, the veterinary profession, of taking those self-care concepts and bringing them towards the team. And, and one of the examples was, you know, let's go out, drink some wine, and, and paint pictures of our pets, things like that, um, which I guess I'm going to put a little plug to the local one, Pinot Palais, I think. Palette is the, oh. is the uh, local store that um, near where I practice, where they do that a lot. And so, um, so if you're in the Montgomery, New Jersey area, check them out. <laughs> but but we, do, we do things like that. So, so what other things do you, when you talk about team self-care? I love that. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. So 
you know, any of the individual, like I, ideally you would pick a, a area of wellness that maybe you do want to focus on. Like maybe you, before you hadn't done any form of like spiritual wellness development and you thought, yeah, you know what? That's something I want to focus on. If you can devise a goal, um, ideally that's what we call a SMART goal. So it's specific, it's measurable, it's achievable, it's relevant, and it's timely. So a goal for around spiritual wellness could be, I'm going to write three things in a gratitude journal every day. Or as a team, it could be, I'm going to write one thing about a team member that I'm grateful for each week and it's going to go in our lunchroom team gratitude jar okay and so the reason that's a good smart goal is because it's specific um, it's a writing a gratitude it's measurable I'm going to do it once a week it's achievable I think once a week is pretty reasonable every day that might be pushing it um, it's relevant to the team or the person's overall goal for spiritual wellness and then it's timely so that we can look at the end of the week and see all of the you know all of the gratitudes that were put in there so i love the idea of of group goals because we most of us do better with accountability so if we have accountability to the public or to our team or to our family or to somebody we're more likely to do that so another example could be everybody on the team is going to make the goal to sleep at least seven hours of sleep a night so you could in your lunchroom have or your break room you could have everybody's names down one side of a poster and then days of the month across the top and it's like a 30-day yoga challenge every time somebody sleeps seven hours they get a gold star and then you can actually follow you know how people are doing you could do that with exercise you could do it you know um, with meditation how many minutes a day I mean you know as a group you could decide every month we're gonna focus on this that and the other we're gonna make a goal maybe it's a goal everybody for a month is gonna exclude alcohol you know um, so so much for paint night I don't know <laughs> yeah, <the> look <laughs> That's always the look I get when I mention that. Okay, so maybe you limit caffeine to one cup of coffee a day or what? Oh, okay. <laughs> you're going to pick your own goal and I'm not, you're not going to consult me for it. But you, you get my, you get I the get idea. It. Exactly. Yeah. No, they're, they're great ideas. I'm just, I'm just joking here. Not really not, but they I'm have just... to be achievable. <laughs> yeah. Achievable. Yeah, because like I'm going to fail. Day one, Dr. T. <laughs> Dr. T, you have no stars. Oh, I just forgot to put the stickers on there. <laughs> and so then what's your suggestion? At the end of the month, you tally everything up and then there's a celebration type yeah, thing? Yeah, exactly. So for some practices, you've implemented this. You know, somebody gets a prize, like whoever had the most stars or whoever makes it through the 30 days, maybe they get, you know, like a like a sleep mask or, you know, whatever. Based ah. on what your theme is, you know, you can, this is like the sky's the limit, yeah. right? You can come up with so many. Maybe they just even get a gift card to a spa or something. Yeah something you know some way to reward everybody I mean I think the reward is in the process itself but you know it's also nice to be kind of striving for something oh, yeah. so that's just one example of, of something that you can do no that's great <laughs> yeah easy but I've already eliminated two possibilities there <laughs> <laughs> um, so as a so how, how do you think you can get better group wellness in general so do you yeah. have to do self 
awareness, self-care yeah. first, or do you, can you can you do them combined? Or? I think you can do it combined. Okay. You know, I think um, you know change always starts from within. So I think we can't control what other people are doing. So, but we can control our own decisions and our own choices. So I always start with self-care from the individual's perspective because that is what you have control over. But I think the accountability piece is really important as well. So I think if you can do both um, and you can engage the team as a whole, there's a lot of other ways that you can implement well-being in the workplace as well. So um, having certain nudges for people. So nudges would be something like, um, you know, a sign in the office with stretching exercises so that people are kind of reminded, okay, I'm sitting at the computer, maybe I can do some shoulder rolls or like some neck rolls or whatever it might be. Um, you know, in the vending machine, you have, if you have a vending machine or if you have a it'd snack be the, It'd be place, the Keurig machine in our place, The right? Keurig yeah. machine, yeah. you know, that you have some healthy options, right? Or when people bring in snacks on Fridays, it's not like donuts from Krispy Kreme. It's, you know, a fruit bowl or a vegetable veggie platter, tray. Yeah. veggie tray, yeah. whatever it might be. When you do potlucks, you know, if you have lunch alone, you do potlucks or something, doing a healthy potluck. Maybe we're going to try a vegan potluck or we're going to do um, a meatless potluck or healthy potluck or whatever it might be. Yeah, that, that's one of the big things I think in vet, vet clinics, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is, yeah. is eating habits. Totally. Yeah, eating habits I think are... It, Especially it, for it, shift it, workers. And it doesn't contribute to your better wellness. It, it actually, a lot of the, you know, I see a lot of sugars and carbs yeah. and, yeah. you know, I, admittedly I'm a chocoholic. Um, but you know, I, again, I got some vices. <laughs> but stick with the dark chocolate. <laughs> yeah, dark chocolate. Yeah, that's, that's what's in the hotel room right now is dark chocolate. But but you know, that that's great. Do you find that these these group wellness things do they yeah. actually bring the team together? Totally, oh, totally. It's, yeah, it's with anything. You know, you mentioned even the paint night and you know yeah. having wine and doing paint. It's social, right? So there's so many benefits for us because you feel like part of a group. Everybody shares in the struggle. Oh, you know, I just couldn't find time yesterday to get my seven hours of sleep. Um, you you know, or, oh, I went to bed early, but I, I couldn't fall asleep. And, you know, we can commiserate and we can share. And, you know, when I teach self-care to the veterinary students, we often have an accountability page. It's a Facebook page. And people can post their goals on there. And they're individual. They don't do a group goal, but they each choose individual goals. And then, so, for example, one student wants to start working out. Um, so they say, hey, does anybody have any, like, playlists that you normally listen to? Or somebody wants to go to yoga. They're like, can you recommend a studio that's affordable for me as a student? So you're commiserating, you're helping each other, it's social, it's emotional support, you feel a sense of belonging in terms of the social aspect, and the accountability is really important. Most of us um, do things out of obligation. Most of us are care providers, we're constantly doing things for others. If you can do self-care, but know that you're not just doing it for yourself, you're doing it because other people are holding you accountable, then even better. And let's be honest, we're all better people when we're looking after ourselves. So. The flip side is the more you look after our, yourself, the, the better a coworker you are, the better a partner you are, the better a parent you are, whatever it is that you're doing. So it's like win-win for everybody. And I don't know a single, I mean, one of the struggles as, as owners I see is getting the team to meld together. And, you know, it's, it's rare that you get really good teams that meld together. But when you do see that those are the ones that you see on their social media posts that they're doing so many things together, yes. acting as one. So, and it's something that, taken from my perspective as an owner, if, if this was implemented, it's kind of like, it's kind of like people, like, for example, that, that everything I like about an employer, something that some, did, someone did well for that week, you're not really, you're not even identified it. You're just writing it on a piece of paper. So it's not like no one's being centered out. And I think it's, it's really good. But at the end, it's all, it's celebrating the wins. 
That's great. That's phenomenal. And that's a great way to end the show. Perfect. As always. So <laughs> so thank you so much for being on yet again, Marie. My and pleasure. If you want to reach her, criticalcarevet.ca. Uh, she's based in Calgary, which is beautiful. Um, so where she can do one of the things she does is cross-country ski right now, right? Right <laughs> now. Right, yeah, right now. <laughs> but, but thanks so much for being on. We'll, we'll, um, if you need to reach out to her, you can reach out to her that way. Um, or you can meet her at one of these conferences and, and go to the... There, there's tips I'm going to do about getting a better night's sleep for sitting there for 50 minutes of my time. Yay. Yeah. Thanks so much. And remember, everyone, love your pet like they love you unconditionally. Have a great day. Thank you for seeing our doctor this morning. You have been listening to Your Pet Matters, the number one pet health care show in Mercer County. Your follow-up appointment is next Saturday at 10 a.m. Tune in to hear Dr. Michael Takiwa of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg, along with his expert guests as they share their knowledge and experiences to help your pet live a long, happy, and healthy life. Want to catch up on Dr. T's advice? Click on the Your Pet Matters page at 1077thebronc.com. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by the pet wellness professionals of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg. Small Hospital, Big Medicine. For more information, it's BarkMeOutVets.com or like the Animal Hospital of Kingston and Blauenberg on Facebook. Tune in next week at 10 for another edition of Your Pet Matters exclusively on 107.7 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com.